Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force, and coincidentally, the number one resilience podcast in the Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Burgum. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. And I'm Sergeant Ackerberg. On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. So what's today's topic? Well, today we're talking about motivation. And this is one of my favorite topics because it applies to everybody. We're all motivated to do something each and every day from the time that we wake up to the time that we go to bed at night. And quite simply, motivation is anything that compels you to action. You think about all the many actions that we take from something as simple as um, eating food in the morning for breakfast or going to work or going to bed at night. All of, it is, all of it is motivated by some innate drive. And we have internal and external motivators, and that's not as important for our conversation. What I want to talk about is how motivation spurs us to act in situations that can be beneficial and potentially harmful for ourselves. At its core, motivation is actually a physiological mechanism. And by that, I mean it comes from things internal to us, either our emotions or how we feel physically. So let's say, for example, you um, have some discomfort in a certain situation. Maybe you're feeling nauseous or queasy. Maybe you're getting amped up, anxious, nervous, something like that. You are now motivated to do something, do something to try to reduce that uncomfortable sensation. And so we act in accordance with what we think is going to be most helpful for us to get rid of that feeling because we are we are pain-averse creatures. We don't want to experience anything bad, and we want to move towards something that feels good. And when we find certain things that uh, enable us to reduce that tension, that unwanted feeling, then it becomes reinforced. And so we're more likely to do that again in the future because we, we lean on that past example as something that worked for us. Unfortunately, a lot of us pick up some things uh, in our past that maybe were helpful at that point in time or maybe worked in that context, and then we try to extend them uh, to, to our future situations and future relationships and find that's not as helpful, but for some reason we keep doing it. Easy example is, let's say um, when you were growing up, you had a really rough childhood. You didn't get along well with uh, family members or maybe there were some har harmful things going on in the home. You probably had to learn certain behaviors or certain ways of interacting with people that were self-protective yep. to keep yep. yourself from harm. And you realize that as you grew up, these were things that were beneficial to do and actually helped you succeed or get what you needed to reduce the, the anxiety or the tension that um, had developed in those situations. Then as an adult, you now find perhaps that when you lash out at your significant other or when you um, just try to escape from the situation and, and hole up, that that's not as effective in getting what you want. And in fact, it doesn't actually reduce the tension that you experience anymore. And so what we want to do today is not only help you delve into what your own uh, personal motiva motivators are, but help you figure out which of those that are, are harmful, uh, maybe served a purpose in the past, but are not as helpful now, and what you can do going forward to self-motivate to actually accomplish those goals that you've set out for yourself. So to illustrate this point, what we're going to do is I want to share a story. And the story was after I initially got out of the Air Force as an active duty officer, I went to seminary to prepare to be a chaplain. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm in seminary and I'm learning and I have to learn these languages. In fact, I didn't know I had to learn Greek and Hebrew until I showed up. And I'm not a language <laughs> person per se. So I show up and I'm, I'm in the library. And when I say I'm in the library, solid 40 hours, I'm in the library mm. 40 hours and did not move. And I move a lot. 
So in order to facilitate this, I needed to up my caffeine dosage. So I figured the most efficient way to do it was with Mountain Dew. Naturally. So I started buying those big cases of Mountain Dew, like the 24 <laughs> or 36 cases, and I would pound through those, uh -huh. sometimes on a daily basis. We're talking average 16 to 18 Mountain Dews a Are day. Are you kidding No, me? not at all. And we're thinking calorie count, just around 200 per can. Now I'm pounded, I'm finally getting through these classes, I'm rocking it, mm -hmm. but I was busy, I'm focused on my goal, so I eliminated the things that really didn't help the goal of passing, which included fitness. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the library drinking like 2,000 calories a Mountain Dew a day, yeah. and then going back and eating maybe not healthy foods, and I'm not realizing that I'm slowly putting on weight, right? So all of a sudden, I go for a PT test in the reserve, I show up, and I don't just like barely fail, I'm talking epic fail, it's still on my record. <laughs> and at the end of it, I said, oh, this isn't good. So I go and that's home. hilarious to me looking at you now because you're you're a thin, fit guy. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm pretty close to 100 each time, uh -huh. about by like 0.7 off. But what was frustrating, so I get I fail this test, I come back, I'm feeling bad, and then I open my mail. And I get this letter from USAA, mm -hmm. who I apply for life insurance through, and they denied me because my blood pressure was too high. So now I've got two dings, right, two bad things. So the third thing happens... I go put in an episode of The Simpsons, one of my favorite television shows, <laughs> and I go, oh, I'm going to feel good. This will make me feel better. Yeah. And it's an episode where Homer weighs in, and he's feeling bad about his weight, and I weighed more than Homer Simpson. No so, kidding. So these three things in one day made me think my life maybe was going in the incorrect direction. And that's, so, that's a perfect example of these triggering events that um, you can't ignore because it's, it's evidence from multiple mm -hmm. locations. So now you've got to confront... Um, this overwhelming evidence saying you have to make a change. And it's caused you, it sounds like, both internal discomfort physically as well as Extra. emotionally. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you can see all of these, how I started to get motivated. So what mm -hmm. I did was said, I need to start running. I hated running at the time mm -hmm. and started running. And I just, little by little, went from one mile to two mile to three miles to the point where I'm doing half marathon, marathon length. And lost eventually 90 pounds wow. and now I hover around 70 pounds down from my max mm -hmm. but that was 10 years ago and I've been able to keep it off the motivation is what kept me there the vision of my future as a healthy fit individual is what keeps me going every day now mm -hmm. and keeps me from falling back into those traps but you can see how I needed a big shift because it was very easy and comfortable to stay where I was which was over caffeinate mm -hmm. too much sugar so that I can pass and get through what I needed to and I wasn't thinking long term and exactly perfect example of what I was talking about you you found something that worked for you in that moment you were motivated to do well on your your Hebrew and your Greek exams and so you found short-term solution mm -hmm. caffeine that's going to get me through and so because it worked and and it helped you accomplish those goals it became reinforced and you mm -hmm. kept doing it but it also <laughs> sets you up for effects, another situation yep. where you, you then had to confront that and find a way to uh, alter that behavior to make it more adaptive, mm -hmm. to make it more healthy. And you were able to do that. I hope you found a, a balance in the, the caffeine department. <laughs> we're working on that. Yeah. Let's be honest. Considering you have a podcast about caffeine, uh -huh. I'm pretty sure you guys are doing great. Yeah. Denial isn't just a river in Egypt. <laughs> Denial. Get it. Got Come it. Come on, folks. Thanks. Get it. Thanks. So what advice would you give to somebody who um, maybe finds themselves in a similar situation where they've got some kind of uh, external situation that is motivating them or trying to motivate them to make a major change in their life? So this may seem interesting to some, but it's what you said at the beginning with pain and pleasure. Mm -hmm. So what I do is associate massive pain with something I want to change. Example, I love tortilla chips. I could eat them <laughs> all day long. And when I say eat them, like you put two bags in front of me and salsa, different types of salsa, uh -huh. bam. But I've realized that, hey, maybe that's something that doesn't 
completely helped my fitness goals. Mm -hmm. So I started associating like pain with eating them and saying like, oh, these aren't good. And making those choices, just like we do as kids with food, we're like, oh, cauliflower or whatever thing as a kid, we say, oh, those are disgusting mm -hmm. because we've associated negativity with them. And I associate pleasure with something else, like in this case, asparagus, right? Mm, delicious asparagus, <laughs> right? And what I found was it actually works for me. Maybe you don't like running and you've mm -hmm. associated a lot of negativity to it. Well, maybe if you associate positivity to it, and that could be because you run in community or you get a chance to listen to audiobooks or podcasts like this one <laughs> or, or your favorite music station, you associate those positive things with it. So we tend right. to move away from pain towards pleasure. So when we associate more pleasure with something positive, like in this case running or the other case asparagus, we can. it helps me to change and to maintain the motivation. I like that because you're you're now battling this, these two competing motivations of I want chips and I want to be healthy by adding another factor into it. You're mm -hmm. you're taking another motivation and you're adding it in so it tips the balance in mm -hmm. your favor. And I think that's really important especially when you have um these conflicting motivations to look at okay which one which ones are coming from uh within and which are coming from without. A uh, good example is a lot of people fail in their fitness goals because they're doing it for something else or someone else. Mm -hmm. um, like, let's say, the Air Force fitness test. That's a, that's a, a requirement that has been imposed up upon us. Yeah. And when you have requirements that are imposed upon you, it's not as uh, easy to motivate yourself. Right. In fact, another example of a, an external motivator is money. We get paid to do our jobs, but at some point, no matter how much money you get, it's not enough of a motivator to do a good job, as is an internal motivator. And that's where I think we really need to focus if we want to be successful in our goals, is to find that intrinsic motivation, the one that's within you that says, I want to do this because I am blank, or I want blank. And yes. if you can fill in the blanks on, on those questions, then it's going to help guide you to success in these goals, because it's something you're doing for its own right because it fulfills you. When I think you stumbled upon something really important, that's your identity. Mm -hmm. Once your identity shifts, you always act in consistent activity with your identity. So for me, my identity is a fitness crazy person. So for <laughs> right. I, I work out far too much, but I know that I will act consistent with that. Mm -hmm. So things that come up, like maybe someone brings cake to the office or donuts, I tend to not even think about it. Whereas before I'd said, oh, a donut, and sure. just grab one. Because I, I'm acting consistent with that identity that has been so ingrained through repeated effort. And if you were to uh, just say, oh, I'm going to have a, a donut, then that would create um, internal discomfort. Yes, that's what, right. Yep. What we call, yep. psychologists call cognitive dissonance. You are now acting in a way that is not compatible with your own identity. And so you have to rectify that by saying, okay, well, um, how am I going to fix this? Oh, I'll just run an extra mile or something like that. That's exactly it, exactly right. Or a second workout. Exactly. Now, Sarah Ackberg, you have some maybe some practical tips on this for us? Definitely. When we think personalizing, especially internal, we, we can write them down, write our goals down. You know, what do you want? What do you mm -hmm. want to achieve? Um, Starting with your identity. Yes, right? definitely. Who, like, who, who am, am I? I? Yeah. It, and, and then based off of that, find goals that align with it. Definitely. And, and we're not, you know, saying pick some crazy huge obstacle. It doesn't have to be maybe necessarily starting out with the idea of maybe losing 90 pounds, but just adding, like, fitness in the 90 pounds is a result of that goal. And the key is to put them everywhere. Put your goals everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, write it down, have it in the bathroom, in the mirror, on the refrigerator. Post I it used, in your office. I used to hang up on the refrigerator with the magnets, these like fitness, women fitness diet things. And like my husband's like, why are we staring at this? And I'm like, so I don't open the refrigerator. Like <laughs> that's my goal. And every time, and I would, I would circle the kitchen like a shark. Like I wasn't even hungry. I was just bored. But anyway, so 
write it down everywhere, but I'll tell you, those magnets on that refrigerator, like, I would, I would walk in, I would do the lap, and I would walk back out. I wouldn't take anything, because I would remind myself, like, don't open this fridge. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell a friend, you know, someone you care about, or someone that you don't want to disappoint would be huge, Mm. because you're being held accountable by this external force or friend, you know, and we're more likely to follow through with our goals if we know we have to go and tell them, like, I didn't work out at all this week, you know, or I didn't do what I wanted to. And depending on on where you are, let's say if this is a new goal and you're trying to shift your identity, you're trying to become somebody who maybe you're you're not quite right now, it might be good to hold yourself accountable to a subject matter expert. Find somebody who is a fitness guru and and they can be your your cheerleader and uh, your coach. They can teach you things and, and help uh, model for you what it is like to be that type of person that you're trying to become. Now, this if this is uh, maybe somebody who you were, who s- you still believe you are, um, maybe another way to go about this is to find somebody who can be your companion, like a teammate, uh, somebody who is maybe trying to achieve the same goal or still working on it, and that way you're bolstering each other. And one other piece on this, too, Sarnakberg, I know a few friends use a website where you can make a donation to these maybe not-so-great charities that are completely against what you uh, believe so maybe you're a part of one political party this would be the opposing one for instance or different groups that aren't great and they'll say okay if i don't lose 50 pounds by the 30th of march this donation will be made to this organization (laughs) and it's really motivating because all of a sudden it it happens all the time and people i know who've used that to great effect Mm -hmm. they've really made the shift because they'll say i do not want my money going (laughs) to this organization there's some really nefarious ones but it (laughs) and it's motivating sure very motivating, um, especially when we're thinking these external motivators, right? They can be your cheerleaders as well. And mm-hmm. so by telling somebody like, hey, I want to lose weight, it would be awesome if they ran with you, if not, whatever. But at least they're the ones that are going to be like, that's great. You did good. Or you go like, I lost another couple pounds on the scale. They're like, good mm-hmm. job. You know, mm-hmm. that's going to help you, especially when we start talking about positive thinking. If you're going to stay motivated, you have to have some type of positive thinking. I know we talked about automatic negative thoughts in a previous podcast, and those are going to be there. We have to recognize and challenge them. But with positive thinking, you're you're telling yourself repeatedly, like, I'm doing a great job, or I'm going to work out today, even though if you don't feel it. Um, Chaplain, you make fun of me because every day we go TDY, you're like, are we going to work out tomorrow? And I was like, I'm going to wake up. And I'm going to tell myself to put on my running clothes, but I'm not going to work out. And then, like, when I put on my running clothes, I'm like, I'll walk to the gym with the chaplain, but I'm not working out. And then we get there, and he's like, all right, I'm going to do my thing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go stand on this treadmill, but I'm not going to turn it on. And, like, I don't know why, but for me, because it's my mm-hmm. way of rebelling just a little bit, I'm actually doing what I'm doing, like supposed to be doing, but... I have that choice, and so I know how I operate. Even though I know I really feel good after the run, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, it's my way of rebelling. It's not really, but... <laughs> and, and on that note, if you don't have someone that can give you positive reinforcement, too, to say, like, hey, good job for going, which I always say after. Yep. Uh, it's not that I particularly enjoy getting up at 4 a.m., but I give myself positive re- reinforcement as well. So in the morning, mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, you know what? Like, it sounds goofy, but giving that, hey, good job, like, or putting a checkbox, like, just checking a task that yeah. went to the gym. Mm-hmm. It's kind of obvious that I'll end up going every day, but to me, that's positive, and we need something like that. And even if it is reinforcing, correct, and that's even the best like, motivator. Yeah, in a rest day, even of just going to the gym, mm-hmm. even if you don't want to go work out and you just got to go sit on a spin bike or a coming bike and sit there mm-hmm. and watch TV, like, you are doing movement, and you should be like, rah, I did it. Yeah. Yes, that positive thing. Thinking is so key to this. Otherwise, if you don't have it, your attitude will shift. Uh, absolutely. And once you lose attitude, I mean, it's done. 
it's, it's hard to come back. That's very true. And so, Nackerberg, you talked, touched on something that I think is really important. It's a technique called scaffolding. It's the idea that we make successive approximations toward our ultimate goal. So we don't have to jump right out the gate and go, that's it. Tomorrow I'm going to pick up. I'm going to run six miles. And if you're not you know, a, a runner or you haven't been, that's an unrealistic goal and you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, but if you can get up and say, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to walk 200 feet. It's nothing. You know, you, you could probably do that at work, too. But it's a little goal and you just build on that. Like, Chaplain, you're saying that you did one mile and then two and then mm-hmm. three and you built yourself up from there. We need to set small, manageable, reasonable goals that we feel like are maybe easy at first to accomplish. And then we just slowly increase them from there. And you'll find that over time as you, you, you know, feel that you're, you're making some progress and you can see it in just these little bits piece by piece and week by week. Uh, becomes reinforcing and it translates into a new motivation. Yeah, and it's funny. One of the defining memories I have of this time is hitting the three mile mark. Hmm. Now, now I'd be easy. It'd be easy for me to go out and do maybe a 16, 20 mile run. I enjoy that mm-hmm. kind of distance. So three miles doesn't seem like much, but I remember the first time I ran three miles, and I went out and I was almost in tears. I remember yeah. it being such an event for me, saying, "I just ran three miles," yeah. and just thinking, "What a big deal." It's celebrating your successes and not comparing them. I could have mm-hmm. said at that point, well, right. that person's a marathoner. I did three miles. No, it's like I did three miles, and that's my personal record. Which is so hard, too, because we see it all over our social media sites. These people giving us unrealistic expectations of what we should feel like we've accomplished with these goals. I mean, you can you can look on any you know magazine website and see these uh, paragons of health and beauty and be like, oh, no matter how hard I'll try, I, I'll, I may never get to that point. So what? Mm-hmm. That The comparison needs to be iterative. It's idiographic, meaning it's within yourself. So you look back to where you used to be and and how far you've come. That's what's truly important. Because if we if we keep shooting for these um, unrealistic expectations, we're always going to be let down no matter how much I we totally do. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're judging yourself by an exterior force like what society mm-hmm. dictates is beautiful or thin, right, or strong, skinny, right. Then you're just really trying to hit something that's not true to you. And so mm-hmm. find that that motivation within that beauty within and then get to the point where you're okay where you're at you're motivated towards your goal you're going to achieve your goal but you're okay you know you're Mm -hmm. happy inside one of the other best ways to do that is just ritual create it in your schedule Mm -hmm. we always say oh i'll find time to hit the gym but if you don't make that time if you don't set that time then you it's the first thing chaplain you talk about all the time it's the first thing you're willing to let go is gym time we're willing to sacrifice our personal stuff for the greater mission or our families, our children. And so by making sure it's built into your schedule, you accomplish it. And it's those bookends of your day. Yes. If it's not the morning, it's the end. It's what you can control. We can't mm-hmm. control the middle of the day because right. we're in the Air Force. Yep. So the rest, those two things, whether it's in the morning or night, and that's a non-negotiable. Before you go to bed or right after you wake up, you knock it out. And, and the difficulty I think a lot of people have is recognizing and accepting that time is zero sum. In order to add an activity, you have to give something up. And and whether that's sleep or time with your family or friends or even some of your own personal downtime that you normally use to veg out in front of the TV, if you're going to make a positive change, then you're going to have to take out something from your schedule to make room for it. If you're not willing to do that, well, maybe you're not really motivated to make that change yet. But what's mm-hmm. funny is the best movies are edited. And in fact, direct, directors <laughs> right. will say that the hardest part is editing out pieces that are really, really good, mm-hmm. but they're not the best. And so making some of these changes will actually make the time you have with your family and friends so much richer it's worth making the changes 
And then the last tip I have is to just celebrate your success. Your tiny milestones, whatever they are for you, your large milestones, set something up. If you're in it for fitness, I would say a cheeseburger is not the recommendation for a celebration, but it may be your cheat day. I don't know, whatever you're dictating for your 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 fitness plan, but reward yourself. So in, in summation, we want you guys to look at your motivators, your, your daily motivators, the thing that things that are propelling you forward and try to determine what things are working for you and what things may need to be changed in order to get you to where your goals are. But in order to do that, you have to have sit down and have an honest conversation with yourself, do some introspection and determine who you are, if that's compatible with who you want to be and where you want to be, setting up those realistic, measurable goals, and then finding a way to, to create progressive milestones to hit um, in a realistic manner, working with your schedule and your other obligations to make it work for you. Now, there's so much more that we could talk about. I know we use the fitness example because it's something that a lot of uh, folks can uh, mesh with, but there are other ways, other goals that people have and other uh, obstacles to motivation that we'll probably talk about in another podcast because I think it's really important, especially when we get to the more abstract psychological concepts of motivation. Um, so if you're interested, please l- uh, let's hear from you. I want to hear... Um, what you're trying to to achieve and what kind of uh, things you use to motivate yourselves. You know, we gave a lot of examples of of things that we use, but uh, we like to hear other people's strategies as well. That wraps our podcast. So we want to thank you for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. And I'm Sergeant Ackerberg. Until next time, if you need us, please reach out to us in the global address list. And we always want to thank you for what you do for our nation. We hope you have a great Air Force Day. Mm -hmm.